to go back to the Unitarian vision, your own Unitarian vision and your own sort of retrospective sense that uh, there was a kind of New England transcendental philosophy in a certain way behind the conception of the web. It fascinates me because um, I keep running across, especially Ralph Waldo Emerson sort of intuitions about the web, uh, but also Walt Whitman. The poet Carl Dennis has a marvelous line, just one sentence. He's talking about the poet, Walt Whitman, but it seems to me he's also talking about bloggers. He says, Walt Whitman's idea of America is a country held together not by law or custom, but by a network of imaginative filaments thrown out by autonomous individuals who want to include as many people as they can in their own acts of self-definition. That's blogging. But when Emerson also speaks about the infinitude of the private man, when he talks about trust thyself, when he talks about follow the gleam in your own mind, get credit for your own idea, write it down, put your name on it, even if you're going to contradict it tomorrow, these people all prophesy this world that you put together scarcely 10 years ago. I wonder if you feel that connectedness with a lot of very old American self-reliant individualistic thinking. Well, actually, personally, I have to say that I don't feel the connectedness with this because I've never really studied it. Just as uh, as sort of Americans aren't brought up with a lot of European history, I've been brought up with a lot of American uh, literature. So, uh, so I've, it's all been a fairly recent. So coming to New England, it's all been uh, uh, fairly recent. What? Uh, how do I think these things um, th- these things connect? And remember, I d- again, I didn't by inventing the web, invent a social structure. So when you talk about it as a place where people can pr- express specifically their individual, their own ideas, before, uh, w- without having to uh, wait until they've expressed, seen them published by something else, somebody else. Well, yes, it's a very satisfying place like that, especially if you actually are somebody who does do that, does write, uh, and can, pu- and can publish. And remember, a very small number of web users actually are bloggers, for example. Um, but remember, I just made the, the white sheet of paper, the medium, and people have used it to that, used it in that way. The, I think, in a way, this idea that the world is made by, just by everybody reaching out and asserting their own, the, the, the definition of their own selves, is uh, you could say that that was rather 90s, that that was, this is the new age, sort of look after yourself, don't worry about anything else. If you look after yourself, then the, the world can look after itself. There was a certain feeling sort of during the last decade that of self-assertion, which I think was a bit of a, it was a backlash, and uh, perhaps because the individual had not been sufficiently respected, but on the other hand, it is, I think it's out of place to imagine that simply by only following this recipe, that by asserting yourself, and uh, you will therefore necessarily um, be part of a coherent world. Uh, I, I think that's misguided. I think yes, you should assert. You, you should do your job, do your business, do what it is that you're on the planet to do. That doesn't necessarily mean just to your, assert your own existence. They no, need to behave. With, uh, with in the back of your mind, the good of the global community. So that it's, it's more of an uh, act locally, think globally thing. Yes, if everybody reaches out and just asserts their own existence, we'll just hear a lot of screaming and no listening. If everybody reaches out, reaches out, but in, the, in those reaching out, 
they, they, they those tendrils feel as well as uh, as, as poke. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> then, Amen. then we will end up building the fractu- these fractal structures. Then you'll find that some of your reaching out happens locally, some of it has inglo- happens globally, and some people will end up having pivotal roles to play as being presidents and so on, and some people won't seem to be pivotal, but everybody will be playing a part in their own way in the big fractal structure. But I think they all have to realize that they're part of something bigger, or it won't work. Well said, but it seems to me the beauty of it is that the web is both. It is the medium for individual expression, but it is also somehow this universal uh, forum which keeps coming back at us. It doesn't doesn't tell us we're alone. Right. It reminds us continually that we're we're in this game together. Yes, we are indeed, and, and the fact that bloggers crave the feedback, I think, is an interesting. You know, is the thing that, that saves it that you, that people are not interested in just writing; they are desperately interested in what other people think about what they've written. But hopefully, as a medium, it'll make it. Uh, it will be very difficult for anybody to 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 end up with a constrained or twisted or rose-colored view of the world because there will always be competitive sources of information. There will always be somebody ready to put them right if they get too far out of line. The the fact that people want to include as many people as they can in their acts of definition is two-way. It involves expressing oneself and involves also listening. Bloggers are very sensitive to the feedback. They don't want to sit there writing garbage and being laughed at so that they desperately set up these systems for our people to, fe- to, to give them feedback so that um, and uh, so, so in fact they do fit in with other people So we, whereas the blog seems to be a very individualistic thing really it is just one mechanism for being part of a group of whatever size, many, many groups of many sizes The other figure that keeps coming up, not a New England Transcendentalist is the Jesuit priest uh, Teilhard de Chardin, who imagined this noosphere, he called it, a kind of a orbit of mind that would constitute sometime around now a sort of new evolutionary stage into a into a global village, as it was first sort of translated, but something more really, a kind of incandescent glow of shared consciousness that would almost have its own biological reality. And here we are with the web, which in many, many, many ways seems to resemble it. Were you aware of that kind of prophecy? Not at all, no. Here's another person I came across relatively recently. Uh, It's a fascinating vision that he had, and I just wish that we could ask him whether in fact the web matches it or whether we're way off course and he meant something totally different. What do you think? I think that he was conscious of a similarity between people, something binding people together, even though that they couldn't couldn't communicate. So he imagined he imagined some ability to communicate, or some that was, he imagined this rather abstract thing, which uh, realized a feeling he had about uh, the possibility of everybody being on one page at the same time, if you like, everybody uh, everybody in the world being connected somehow. So, so perhaps the need for people to be connected on a larger scale has just been a big gap. 
it's been something we've been missing desperately that he's he could have extrapolated from people being connected on small scales seen how as that scale gets beyond the, the the scale you can cycle in one day or drive in one day then it starts to disintegrate and we start to lose coherence so he so, so he might well have felt that humanity is actually more than that we have more in, uh, more in common or we need more in common uh, I don't know what it, I don't know what he was thinking, but uh, it would be nice if the web has allowed us to extend that, uh, extend the connections in humanity onto us, onto larger scales, and uh, and get more of a balance in this fractal society we're trying to put together. One of the most important things, which, for example, Unitarian Universalists uh, respect a lot, is the diversity of the human race. When you build a fractal society, you need a you one of the things which you're balancing as diversity against homogeneity if you don't have any homogeneity you won't have world peace because you won't have enough ground for global understanding between nations between peoples if you don't have diversity you won't have a rich source of ideas of ways of thinking of knowledge of different spins on things. People, we absolutely need the great diversity of ways of tackling the world, ways of thinking, the fact that different people know different things. Yes. Though they are, in fact, very, very different minds because of where they've come from and where they've taken themselves uh, is really important. So however we structure this web of people using the web of information, which uses the network of computers, we must make sure that we respect that diversity, we preserve the diversity, and we, and we encourage an individual to be part of it. We encourage an individual to be different. And so just because you have access to Plato, that does not mean you have to read Plato. As long as you know somebody who knows somebody who is an expert on Plato, then you'll be, then you'll <laughs> then, then you'll be okay. Excellent. Amen. Define the practical society, but tell me, tell me more about what, what are the obstacles to it, or the enemies of it. There are forces, I suppose, pulling in each direction. There are forces pulling towards diversity and the forces pulling towards uh, a monoculture. So if you like, what, so what are the forces pulling towards a monoculture? Uh, the McDonald's syndrome, that uh, it's very commercially effective to have a monopoly. It's very commercially effective to sort of divide the world up uh, so that one particular company governs uh, the access to or governs all the information to which one has access and another company um, governs uh, the, uh, and controls and provides uh, the, the ways means of accessing the information and it's even more lucrative financially if the same company can control both at once so there are financial commercial incentives for making things very very large and I know that the, the French, for example, who have traditionally feared McDonald's culture coming over and, uh, and diluting or affecting the French culture, were worried when the first internet pipes were set up across the Atlantic that that sort of thing would happen. When in fact, of course, there's a very, very strong French culture, extremely rich uh, culture, which you uh, would expect to come rushing back across the pipe at just the same rate. So uh, the what tends to take us away from diversity? The need to have common languages, for example. The need, the fact that English, it is so 
necessary to speak English. The fact it's so useful to speak English, the fact that so many films out of Hollywood are done in English means that we are we start to lose Welsh and uh, European languages will become second languages if we're not careful one by one and we will uh, will be in danger of losing that entire those entire cultures we've already lost for example Cornish Uh, it just wasn't practical anymore it was was taken overtaken by English so those are the sorts of um, uh, of pressures which take us in the direction of the monoculture away from diversity. There are other cul- there are other pressures which take us uh, in the other direction. You get, if you like, too much diversity. The classic is the the cult in which people, by filtering their email, by uh, living together and working together, even if they live quite far away from each other, they can now live in little groups in which they are completely self-reinforcing. They only read email, which is you know, which has been from one of the group or is recommended by one of the group. They only visit websites which point to each other, and they end up believing very strange religious beliefs and not being able to communicate with anybody else, uh, except maybe to shoot them. So that's uh, you know, the, the, so obviously there are forces which t- which uh, make people f- try to car- protect themselves from the world and carve out little spaces and be too and be over diverse. I think in the end they balance out, but we have to be just be aware of it. And I think indivi- as long as each individual is aware of, wh- of where they are on the scale, and realizing that they're contributing to, they need to contribute to both these things, mm. then we'll be okay. Tim Berners-Lee, we live more and more in a world you created. Uh, is there anything more we need to say today about your vision of this place? That I didn't create it. That all I did was uh, write some protocols, create a blank sheet of paper. The, I created the concept of a blank sheet of paper. That it's up to everybody else. Uh, and, uh, what's great is is to see this diversity of what's uh, what's coming out of it. And the diversity does not seem to be slowing down in any way. Thank you enormously for this conversation. Thank you. It's been fun.